Welcome to Legacy Church. Thank you for joining us in our journey to see our potential in Christ become a legacy in our community. We hope that you are encouraged by this word from Pastor Chad Owens and pray that you will walk away with something incredible from your time here with us. Just make sure that you pick up an announcement sheet. There's a lot of things that's going on. I also want to make mention that uh, today we have, uh, over the next seven days, our time of prayer and fasting devotional guide for you to pick up before you leave so you can take it home with you and kind of, because we want everybody to be praying and fasting on, you know, over this next uh, week about certain things in your life. And so there's a little guide that you can follow along every single day that every one of us are participating in, praying for the same thing. But I also want to mention that this coming Wednesday night, uh, we'll have a time of prayer here at the church. Last Wednesday night, we had some time of prayer and had a great time of prayer Wednesday night. So if you were not able to make it last Wednesday night, we have one available for you this Wednesday night at 6.30. We're just going to go before the Lord and just pray about situations and, and things that's in our life and our church. So we would love for you to be part of that in, in the name of Jesus. We believe that strongholds are going to be broken. Amen. Amen. That people are going to be free. People are going to experience more of God because of our prayer and fasting. Amen. So we believe that God is going to do incredible things. So today is the halfway point of our 14-day of prayer and fasting. And I pray that, that you are doing phenomenal. I pray that God is challenging you. I'm praying that you're being able to hear from the Lord and you're spending some incredible time with God. I talked to somebody this morning. They were like, man, this is hard. Amen. <laughs> It's difficult sometimes, but, but know and understand through that hardship, through that, that difficult time, God's going to renew your spirit. Amen? God's going to renew our spirits, and we believe that. And so I just want to encourage you to stay strong, stay, finish it to the very end, because we believe that God's going to do some incredible things in our life. And so this morning, I want to share with you a message that as I was praying about this week and I was praying about this message, I, there was one word that just kept coming up to my mind every time I would think about preaching this message. And it's the word platform. It's the word platform. And I'm not talking about platform shoes. How many of you guys had platform shoes? Raise your hand. We had two people that had platform shoes. That's it? Were you cool when you had those platform shoes? Go ahead and say it. I was cool. You know you were. Platform shoes were the thing that were incredible, and I'm glad they, we don't have them anymore, thank goodness. But I want to talk to you this morning about your platform. Your platform. As I begin to pray and think about this message, I begin to look throughout the Bible, and I begin to see people that were given a platform, that they were given a position, and they used that position or that platform to glorify God. But more than that, they used it to rescue people. That God gave certain individuals in the Bible platforms, positions to where they were called to do something incredible for God. They were called to do something out of the ordinary, something that maybe they hadn't prepared themselves for, something that maybe wasn't even on their radar. But God called them to do something great. He gave them a platform in their life. And so I just wrote a few of those, a few of those people down. Moses was one. Noah had a platform. Daniel had a platform. David had a platform. Joseph had a platform. Jeremiah had a platform. The disciples, they had pla a platform in their life. Paul had a platform. And then Jesus also had a platform and a position in his life. 
that he used to glorify God, but he used to rescue people. And I feel like what God's calling us in this room today is this, is that understand that you've been given a platform, that you've been given a position to make a difference in someone else's life. God has called you for a certain time as this. God has called you. He's equipped you. He's given you the things that you need for this platform or this position that He's called you to have in your life. And so we've all been given that platform. We've all been given that position to glorify God and to rescue people. That's why God saved you. If God did not want to use you in this world, then after He saved you, He would have taken you home to glory. But He didn't do that. He saved you. He set you free. He called you into the ministry, not vocationally or, you know, whatever, whether you stand on a stage or not. He's called you into the ministry. He's given you a position. He's given you a platform to glorify God and to rescue people. That's every single one of us in this room today. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that. I don't know if you've ever even uh, uh, thought, and you even, your thoughts even went down that road. But you've been given a position and you've been given a platform to make a difference in this world and to glorify God. All of us have. My position is that I'm the pastor of the church. That's what God's called me to do, is to pastor, to lead the sheep. You may not be called to do that, but you've been called to do something with the position and the platform that God has given you in your life. You see, in the first two weeks of this this sermon series, we talked about Paul and we talked about Daniel. We talked about Paul and how Paul struggled with wanting to do the right thing, but but he didn't always do the right thing. He dealt with the flesh issues. A man that was called by God, who had a position in his life, who had a platform, struggled with flesh issues. There were things that, that maybe he didn't always do right, like us. He's just like you and I. He was flesh and blood, and he, and, he, and, and he was called to do incredible things in his life. But there was things in his life that maybe he didn't always achieve, or maybe he, he didn't um, you know, go down that road sometimes in his life. But, but Paul had a platform. He traveled around the world as a missionary, planting churches and sharing the gospel. That's what Paul did. And he also wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. So he had a platform. He had a position in his life. You see, when Paul's life was changed, he knew that he had been given a platform. He knew that he had been given a position. And I think that's very crucial to every one of us in this room tonight to think about that when God saved you, just as he saved Paul, he called Paul to a platform and a position to make a difference in the world and to glorify God. That's why God saved you. He didn't just save you to to keep you out of hell. But he saved you and he gave you a platform and a position to make a difference in someone's life. And my question to every one of us this morning is this. Are you making a difference in someone's life? Have you taken the position or the platform that God's given you? And are you glorifying God first and foremost? And are you using that platform to make a difference in someone's life? You see, Daniel was given a platform. We talked about it last week. Daniel made small decisions in his life that caused him to have great victories later on. Daniel, unlike Paul, served the Lord since he was a young man. Daniel, Paul got saved later on in his life, but Daniel served the Lord since a young boy. Daniel never used his platform. Listen to me. Daniel never used his platform to glorify himself. He never used the position 
or the platform that God gave him to glorify himself. He always used it to glorify God. And as you read through that time, as you read through the book of Daniel, you will see that Daniel was different than everybody else. And the reason why he was different, why? Because he was given a platform, he glorified God, and he made a difference in people's lives. So Daniel stood out. Daniel was different than everybody else. But it doesn't mean that Daniel was more religious than you and I. It just means that Daniel made a decision to use his platform to make a difference in this world and to rescue people. That's what he used it for. That's why he realized God gave it to him. Daniel was different. There was no one like Daniel. He stood out among everybody. If you remember in the story, King Nebuchadnezzar, when he invaded Jerusalem, he went out looking for the best young men that he could find. He didn't just go out looking for anybody, but he went out looking for the best young men that he could find. Men of nobility, men of royal, from royal families, men without physical defect, handsome, quick, the, quick to their learning, quick to understand, well-informed and very, and very qualified. Those are the men that King Nebuchadnezzar went to look for, and Daniel was one of those men. But I want you to know and understand this morning is this, that even though Daniel had those attributes in his life, just like everybody else did, he was different. He was different. Everybody that they chose had the same attributes, but something about Daniel was different. Something about Daniel's life stood out among everyone else's life. You see, sometimes we think that may be the reason why God has chosen that person, because they're more talented, or they're better, or they look better, or, or all of these things. And listen to me, that may be the case, but it's not always the case. But I want you to understand something this morning, is that whether you feel the most talented, or whether you feel like you're the best, or whether you feel like you're the smartest, or whether you feel like you're the most gifted, whatever it may be, understand this, is that God has given you a platform. And he's given you a platform to make a difference in this world and to glorify him. What caused Daniel to be different was his relationship with God. That's why he was different. When people looked at him, when people saw him, they saw things that wasn't in everybody else because he was different. Because he used his platform to glorify God and to rescue people. You see, prayer and fasting enables us to hear from God in ways that we normally wouldn't be able to hear from Him. Prayer and fasting puts you in a position to hear from God better than just through prayer. Why? Because I said it last Sunday, that prayer connects you to God, fasting disconnects you from the world. So through prayer and fasting, you're connecting to God, but you're disconnecting yourself from the world. Why? Because you want to be able to hear God and experience God in a more intimate in a, in a better way than you've ever had before in your life. And so that's what prayer and fasting does. That's what made Daniel different. That's what made him different. That's what made him stick out among everybody else. It's because he had an attitude of worship, but he had an attitude of prayer, and he had an attitude of fasting, which made him different. And what I feel like God's saying to us, the church, not just this church, but churches in general, prayer and fasting should be part of our lifestyle. It should be part of our lifestyle. If it's not, then something is wrong. Something is messed up in our life. We need to make sure that prayer and fasting is part of our life. Why? Because it connects us to God in a way that, it, that we normally don't connect with God. So it's very important. It enables us to hear from God in a way that we've never heard from God in our life. So the question that I ask all of us this morning is this. 
how much of God do you want? How much of God do you want? It's really, it's really up to me and it's up to you how much we want from God. Because if we desire a lot from God, guess what? God is going to give it to us. But if we don't want that much from God, then God's just going to give us that little bit. So the question to all of us is, how much do we want? How much of God do we want? How much are we willing to put ourselves in a position to hear from God, but, but have a more intimate relationship with Him? How much do we want? I, that, that question kept going over and over in my mind as I was writing this message. Chad, how much of God do you want? Do you just want to preach on Sundays and, and live however you want to through the week? Or do you really want a relationship with me to, to where it, cha- it changes everything about me personally? So how much of God do we want in our life? You see, if, if, if it's just a surface relationship, that, then that's, that's between you and God. Or if it's a more deep, intimate relationship where, God, where you allow God to be in every part of your life. You see, Matthew chapter 17, verses 21, in the New King James Version, it says this. It says, however, this kind does not go out except by, what's the next word? Prayer and fasting. You know what that tells me? That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up against a challenge in my life that can only be overcome through prayer and fasting. You see, you may be here today and you may be, you may be facing a challenge in your life. You may be facing a challenge in your life right now. And you may understand, or maybe God's telling you this, the only way that you're going to overcome that is through prayer and through fasting. It's very important that we understand that's what God's called us to do. Prayer and fasting empowers us to overcome difficult situations. You see, you can't fight the spiritual with the natural. You can't fight the spiritual with the natural. Too many times we, we, we lose, we, we, we fall victim to losing to the enemy. Why? Because we're fighting the spiritual with the natural. Instead of just getting before God and praying and fasting, that, which will empower us and will, will equip us for, to fight that spiritual battle with the spirit that lives inside of us, we're fighting the battle with natural. And we wonder why we're losing. Why? Because we're not fighting it with the spiritual thing that God has placed inside of us. You see, the platform or the position that we have been given, it's been given to you by God to make a difference and to glorify His name. You see, prayer and fasting, it empowers us. But it also humbles us. It, it also humbles us and it tells us that we're really not who we think we are. That prayer and fasting tells me, Chad, you're really not who you think you are sometimes. That it empowers us and enables us, but it keeps me humble when I pray and fast before the Lord. It's like being clay in the potter's hands. Is that as long as I pray and I fast and I hang out with God, you know what he's doing? He's molding me into that person that he wants me to be, not the person that I want to be. So prayer and fasting makes me moldable so that God, if that's a word, I don't even know if that's a word. Uh, I just made it up if it's not. Um, so don't take credit for it. I'll, I got it. So it puts me in a position to where God can mold me to make me be the person that he wants me to be. So this morning, I want to speak to you just for, for a few moments from the book of Esther. Esther chapter 4, verses 12 through 17 and then we're going to look at verses, uh, chapter number 5, verses 1 through 3. 
But I really feel like God has given me this scripture this week to, to, to present to you and to understand that God has called us all to a platform and a position. Esther chapter 4, verses 12 says this. It says, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. He said, do not think that, that because you are in the king's house, that you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your, and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther uh, sent this reply to Mordecai. She says, go and gather together all the Jews who are in Susa. And she says this, and begin to fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, or for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When it is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. And then chapter 5, verses 1 through 3 says this, that on the third day, Esther put on her royal robe and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his throne, on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and he held out his gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of his scepter. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half of the kingdom will be given to you. Will be given to you. You see, Esther was given a platform. She was given a position to make a difference in her people. She was given, she was called by God to make a difference. She was called by God. She was placed by God in this position to make a difference for her people, but also to glorify God. You see, if you, if you look at this, uh, this, this whole book, I think it's about 8 to 10 chapters long, you will see some very important people. You will see a man named King Xerxes. You will see a lady named Queen Vashti. You will see a man named Haman and a man named Mordecai and a young lady named Esther. These five individuals played a huge role in this story. You see, some of these people had very high positions. Some of them had high positions. Uh, some, of, uh, some others were demoted from those positions. And some were demoted to even higher positions. But those five people played a very important role in the book of Esther. And so this morning, real quickly, we're going to look at chapters 1, 2, and 3, and also chapter 4 this morning, because I want to set up just what's about to happen in Esther's life, and why she was given this platform, and why she was placed in this position. So chapter 1, it says this, it said, I'm just going to, just to share a few things with you that I wrote down about, about this story. In chapter 1, you got a man named King Xerxes. King Xerxes decides that after 120 days, he's going to throw a seven-day banquet, it's going to be a feast. For seven days, they're going to party. They're going to, they're going to have all this fun. Everything that you could ever want, anything that you could ever want was going to be at that party, was going to be at that banquet. The top people were invited to the banquet. It was the seventh day of the feast of eating and drinking and probably doing all other kind of sorts of crazy stuff because there was a lot of stuff that was going on during this banquet. On the last day of the banquet, or uh, Queen Vashti, she decides to throw her own banquet as well for the ladies. 
But on the very last day of the banquet, the king sends his men to go and to find the queen. And he goes and he tells her, he says, I want you to put on this robe. I want you to put on something special because I want to bring you out in front of all of these people that are gathered at this banquet and I want to show you off. I want everybody to see your beauty. I want everybody to see who you are and all and the wonderful things about you. Well, the queen decides, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be paraded around like a piece of meat. I'm not going to be put out there in the public for, for everybody to look at me. She decides, you know what, I'm not going to do it. So what does the, queen, uh, the king do? He removes the crown from her head where she's no longer queen anymore. And she's, she's sent away to where she will never, no longer go in his presence anymore. So that's chapter 1. In chapter 2, the king sends out his men to go and to find this new queen. But you got to understand, they're not going out just to look for people. They're going out to look for the best. Just like, just like King Nebuchadnezzar did. He went out and he wanted the best. The king wanted the best, the most beautiful women, young women that were virgins that he could find. So he sends his men out there to look and to find all these, all these young ladies. And they come into a place where more, a man named Mordecai is living. So you got to understand something about the book of Esther. Nowhere in the book of Esther is the word of God or, the, or God's name mentioned anywhere. But you can see that God's hands on everything that is happening. That God is placing things in position to, to save his people. And so you gotta, you're, they're looking at chapter 2. They go out and they find all these beautiful women. And they go to a man's house named Mordecai where his cousin Esther is living. Esther is from uh, her mother and father had passed away. And so Mordecai brought her into his house to take care of her. So they find this beautiful Beautiful young lady there living in his house. I mean, she just stood out above everyone else. There was just something different about her. And so they take all of these young ladies to the palace. And they place them under the care of a man named Haggai. And Haggai, is, he's immediately won over by Esther. Now think about this. All of the ladies that they chose to come to the palace... They all were beautiful. They were all young women. They all had the same thing. But there was something different about Esther. There was something different about Esther's life. Why did she gain favor with with Haggai? Why did she gain favor with the king? There was something different about her life. Haggai immediately took Esther and he took her away from everybody else. And he put her in this this different uh, area of the palace to where she got special treatment more than the other ladies did. But then before the ladies ever went to the king, they had to go through a a year-long process. And think about this, ladies, just for a moment. Think about when you go to the spa and you get pampered and you get massages and all that wonderful stuff. Think about this. That happened to those ladies for an entire year. They were given the best. They had all of this stuff provided for them just because they were going to go stand before the king. In other words, he wanted them to to look the best and, and to have the best. But she was a beautiful young lady. But everybody noticed that there was something different about her. You see, Esther was a Jew. In other words, when you were a Jewish person, you you lived differently. You had different things that you did in your life. You spoke differently. You had different standards by how you lived by. And that's that's why she stood out among everybody else. It It wasn't just her beauty, but it was her godliness that revealed who she really was. 
that she was a godly individual. So God is placing this thing. He's setting this thing up. And so according to Scripture, she's, she's very beautiful. But it was her godliness that stood out. You see, some things that I realized as I was reading over this, some things that, I, that stood out to me about Esther. Number one, of course, she was beautiful. Number two, she was obedient. Mordecai told her, he says, listen, when you leave my presence, don't tell anybody that you're a Jew. Don't mention it to anybody. Don't say anything to anybody that you're a Jew. So guess what? She didn't do it. She listened to what Mordecai said. She didn't tell anybody. So she was obedient. She was, uh, uh, let's see, she had favor. She was modest. When When Haggai was attending her, the Bible says that she didn't ask for anything other than what Haggai suggested. So, I mean, she could have asked for the world. She could have asked for anything. But the Bible says that, that she didn't ask for anything, just whatever Haggai wanted to give her. So she was modest. Uh, she, was, uh, she was very loyal. She was wise. She was respectful. When Mordecai was hanging out near the, the kingdom's gate, he overhears these two men talking about overthrowing the king. Well, he sends the word to Esther, and Esther goes to tell the king. And in that moment, you know what Esther does? She gives all the credit to Mordecai and none for herself. So she gives the credit to Mordecai. She's very loyal. She's very respectful. This is just things about who she is. These are the things that stood out about her life. You see, God gave her all these wonderful attributes in her life. All of these things that she had come from having a relationship with God. And listen to me, none of those things that she used in her life is what gave her that platform. God gave her the platform. God gave her that platform in her life to make a difference in someone else's life. So she goes before the king and immediately he's overtaken by her. She wins over his favor. He takes a crown and he places it on her head. And in that moment, she becomes queen. Above every, all the other ladies that were there, There was something special about Esther. There was something special about her life. And in that moment, when she went before the king, the king noticed there was something different about her. And in that moment, he made her queen. He made her queen. So as you can see, God is setting this thing up for an incredible move later on in this book. But God is setting things up. He's placing things in order, just like he does in our life. He's placing things in our life When we allow ourselves to be who God's called us to be. God has given a a position and a platform to stand on and to share the gospel and to love people and to present his name to these people. And that's what Esther was doing. God has placed it in your life. God has given it to you to use and to make a difference in someone else's life. And so here she is. Now she's she's made queen in her life. He's given her this platform in her life. So you go to chapter 3, and which talks about a man named Haman. Haman had a very high position in, in uh, Xerxes' uh, army. He was second in command to the king. So Haman, or Xerxes, decides to throw a, a parade for, for Haman to where he's going to walk out in front of everybody, and everybody has to kneel down and to worship him. But there was one person that did not bow down and worship him, and his name was Mordecai. Why? Because Mordecai was different. Mordecai says, you know what, I'm not going to bow down and worship him. I'm not going to bow down and, 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 and honor him. Why? Because he doesn't, he doesn't deserve my honor. 
He doesn't deserve my praise. The only person that deserves my praise is my God. So Haman goes to the king because he's very angry, and he tells the king, listen, these Jews, they're terrible people. They're, they're different than we are. They don't like what we like. They don't live the way we live. They don't obey your rules. So king, why don't you go out and kill them? So why don't you just go out and annihilate all these people because of one decision that Mordecai made not to bow down to this powerful man? So he says, why don't you just go kill him? He says, I tell you what, I'll make it even better for you. I will give you 10,000 talents of silver just so you will go and kill all of these people. And the king says, you know what, I don't want your money. He says, guess what I'll do? I'll make this decree and I will make this thing known to where we will go out and we will kill all of the Jews. We will kill all of the Jews. Nobody's going to live. Nobody's going to survive. And then I realized something about this, script, about this chapter. You see, Haman was an Agite, which has always been an enemy of the Jews. If you go back to, I think it's in 1 Samuel, where it talks about where God told Saul to go and kill all the Amalekites. And he goes and he destroys everything except for one, just a few things, and one of them was the king, King Agag. You see, he was, he was supposed to destroy this enemy, but he didn't. So now, because he didn't destroy the enemy, now the Jewish people are dealing with the enemy all over again through Haman. You see, just like us in our life, the enemy has come to destroy you. The enemy knows that God has given you a position. He knows that he's placed you in a position or given you a platform to make a difference in this world. And so he's going to come in and he's going to try to destroy you because you're God's chosen people, just like the Jews were. So he's trying to destroy you. He's trying to wipe you out so that you won't become the person that God's called you to be just like Haman did to the Jews. So that's very important for us to understand this morning that the enemy is fighting us just like Satan is our enemy. He's wanting to destroy you. He's wanting to destroy your marriage. He's wanting to destroy your, 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 your life because he doesn't want you to be better. He doesn't want you to serve God. He doesn't want you to do anything different than what you're doing right now. So he's been sent to destroy you just like Haman was sent to destroy the Jews. But he's given us a platform, guys. Understand that this morning. He's given us a platform to bring glory to his name, but he's also given us a platform to rescue people from the grips of the enemy. Every one of us in this room, God has given us a platform to do those two things, to glorify God and to rescue people. To glorify God and to rescue people. But too many times, too many times we use our own platform to further our own position, to for our own interest, and for our own benefits. We use the platform that God has given us, that God has gifted us for, that He's placed inside of our lives. We use it for our own benefits, for our own glory, and for our own interest in our life. It wasn't given to you for your own interest. It was given to you to make a difference in this world and to glorify God. But too many times, we use it for our own selves because we want to build ourselves up more and more. Miss Karen, I want you to come on up this morning as I read just a few more scriptures before we close out the sermon this morning. You see, if you go back to Esther chapter 4, verses 12 through 17, you will see in verse 14, it says this. It says, for if you remain silent at this time, 
Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to the royal position for such a time as this. God has placed her in this position. All the other things that has happened in this story, God has placed her in this position to do one thing, two things, excuse me. Glorify God and to rescue his people. A young lady who was beautiful just like everybody else was. There was something different about her life. And everybody that saw her knew that there was something different about her. That God placed her in this position to make a difference. But understand this. She didn't just go in there and start making a difference. She didn't just go in there and and confront the king. But the Bible says in verse 15, it says, Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. He says, Go and gather together all of the Jews who are in Susa. And she says this, And I want you to start fasting for me. I want you to understand, start fasting for me, that God has given me this position. God has placed me in this platform, and he wants me to make a difference, but i got to have his power. I can't do this just because of my position. i got to have his power. He placed her in this position to make a difference. So here you are. You have all of these Jews that are fasting and praying for Esther. Because she has, to make a, she has to make a decision whether or not she's going to go before the king. Because she understands that anybody that is not summoned by the king and they go into his presence, immediately in that moment he kills them. She understands that. So she knows that this is a big deal. So the Bible says that she says, hey guys, I need you to start fasting and praying for me. Just like we've been doing over the last seven in the next seven days. You're praying for someone. You're fasting for someone. It may be yourself. It may be someone else. You're praying and you're fasting for that person. Why? Because you want to see them delivered from whatever it is in their life. And she knew that the only way that she would be able to go in front of the king's, uh, the king's in the entrance of the king was through prayer and fasting. She prepared herself to go in there. But not only that, she says, guess what, guys? I'm, my, me and my other assistants, we're going to fast with you as well. So this is going to be a one big corporate fast because this is not just about me. This is about the whole Jewish culture. You see, when you fast and pray, you may be going through some struggle. You may be having some, some tough issues in your life because you've given something up. But understand this. The reason why you're praying and fasting may be for yourself, but it's also to bring deliverance in someone's life. That's why you're doing it. You're not doing it for any other reason. You're not doing it for, for just to tell, hey, I'm fast. You're not doing it for any other reason. You're doing it. Why? Because you want to see deliverance in your life, and you want to rescue somebody from the hands of the enemy. That's why we do it. But the platform that we've been given in our life is so important. And are we using the platform that God's given us? Well, pastor, I, I, I don't know if I can. I'm not called to pastor a church. I'm not called to be a missionary. I'm not called to sing songs on the worship team. I'm not called to do those things. I'm not asking you if you're doing those. I'm asking you, are you making a difference in someone's life? Are you taking the very thing that God's placed inside of you and making a difference in someone else's life? That's why he gave it to you, was to make a difference. 
You see, she prayed and she fasted. Why? Because she understood that the situation that she's about to face was bigger than herself. She knew that the only way that it could happen was through prayer and fasting. She understood the platform that she had been given, but she needed prayer and she needed power that only happens through prayer and fasting. You see, she disconnected herself from the things that were around her to get along with God. And then if you read in verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, it talks about on the very last day of the fast... It says that she goes and she prepares herself. She puts on the robe and and she gets herself ready. After coming out of this fast, she gets herself ready to go before the king. So she puts on her robe and she goes and she stands in the entrance of the kingdom. And and the king doesn't even really notice her at first. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he notices her standing there. She hasn't been summoned. She hasn't been asked. He he didn't send for her to come into the presence. He notices that she's standing there. And what does the Bible say? Is that he looks at her and he found favor over her because of who she was. She found favor in the king's eyes. Why Why was she that way? Was it because of her beauty? But it was because of her godliness that lived inside of her. The godliness that lived inside of her life. Well, pastor, you don't understand. I can't do that. Why? Because you don't want to? Because you're afraid? Because you're insecure? Because you don't have any confidence in yourself? Because you don't feel comfortable? I can can keep going. Because that's my list that I tell myself all the time. I, I repeat it all the time in my in my mind. Chad, you're not good enough, you're not confident enough, you're not, you don't have what it takes. But she went before the king, and the king notices her. And she walks into his presence, and he says, Queen, whatever you want, ask for it, and it's yours. So if you go on and you read the the rest of the book, you understand that that Haman was going to kill Mordecai. He wasn't just going to kill him. He was going to set a pole out into the area, and he was going to impale him on a pole. But because of Esther and what she did, Mordecai's life was saved, the Jewish people's life was saved, and the enemy was defeated. The enemy was defeated. What the enemy tried to do to destroy God's people was turn back on himself, and he died the same way that he was going to kill Mordecai. You see, God can change the bad situation around and use it for the good. God can take it. God can work it all out in your life. He just needs a vessel to work through. He just needs somebody to take the platform and the position that they've been given by Him to make a difference in someone's life. Do you understand that this morning? The whole, that whole community was saved because of one young lady decided to do what she needed to do. And it saved everybody. I'm just talking about one person, guys. What are we doing to make a difference in one person's life? I'm not asking you to go out and save the whole community. I'm not asking you to go out and win your whole block. I'm just asking you to focus on one person and make a difference in that person's life. Use your platform that you've been given. Your job, that's your platform. 
That's the position that God's given you to make a difference in someone's life. Are we using that platform to make a difference? But you know where it starts? Through prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Why don't you stand with me this morning and we're going to close out in prayer. She knew that she had been given that position. She knew that she had been given that platform. And she knew that she had to use it for God. You see, when God's people go into the secret place, when God's people begin to go into that secret place and begin to pray and to fast, it opens doors in the spiritual that you couldn't open in the natural. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all the other things will be added to you as well. Your platform. God, today I, I, I pray, God, for every person in this room. Everyone in this room, God, has been given a platform and a position. You've called us to make a difference. You see, Esther didn't look at Mordecai and go, Mordecai, I can't do this. She didn't look at Mordecai and go, you got you to gotta get somebody else. I can't do this. She used the position that God gave her to save people. Use your position, use your platform to glorify God and to rescue people. Right where you stand this morning, this is what I want you to do. I want you to make an altar. Just right there where you stand this morning, just make an altar and say, God, here's my life. Here's my life. God, you've gifted me this way. You've put things inside of me, God. God, I just want to use those things for your kingdom. I want to use those things for your glory. God, I want to use those things to to reach people. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, 
Jesus. Can we do something this morning if it's okay with you guys? I'm going to invite everybody to come and let's stand around the front this morning. Take just a few moments and let's come and let's stand around the front. Understand this morning, guys, you are important to the kingdom. You're important to the kingdom. Don't let the enemy tell you that you're not because you are. If you were not important, then God would not be doing what he's doing in your life right now. Some of you are facing challenges that's preparing you for something greater. Some of you are maybe in the valley right now, but I'm telling you, it's preparing you for something greater. It's preparing you for something greater. That if you will just keep trusting in the Lord and you'll keep looking towards God and you'll keep focusing on God and, and giving yourself to God, God is working things out behind the scenes that you don't know about now. That God's hands is on it. God's hand is on it. You're important. God is wanting to use you where he's placed you. Use the little bit of faith that you have to step out. Too many times we pray for more faith. Why don't we use the faith that we have to make a difference? The Bible says that all we need is a, uh, the mustard seed size faith to make a difference. We're all important in the kingdom. No one is more important than the other. We're all important. Father, today, this is your church. These are your people. God, you have called them for greater things. You have called them, Father, to make a difference. God, you have equipped them. You have given them the things in their life, God, to make a difference. You've placed them in a position, Father. You've placed them on a platform, God, to make a difference. And I pray, Father, that that is what's happening in every one of these lives this morning. That you're not there by accident. You're not there by accident, but God has placed you there to make a difference in every life. Every life, God. So this morning, I pray for your power. God, I pray for your anointing to not only rest upon these lives, but to flow through every life in the name of Jesus right now. Because it is by your power, it is by your power, Father, that we're able to overcome the things that we face in our life. So I pray, give them the power, give them whatever they need in their life, God, to accomplish what you've called them to accomplish. And I thank you for that today. Position and platform, what are we doing with it to make a difference? We love you and we thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen and amen. Turn around and love on somebody this morning.
Thank you once again for joining us at Legacy Church. Stay tuned in to our website for updates on events and check out other messages under the online listening tab. We'd love to see you, so join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Have a blessed day.